What's up, guys? I'm David Williams, the host of the Hoopball Grizzlies podcast. The Grizz Next Gen have a phenomenal young core, and the future is looking bright in Memphis. Come listen to our show and learn more about the most exciting young team in the league. You can find me on Twitter at dwill2111, and the show and other Grizzlies news are at Hoopball Grizz. Stop by and check us out. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Running a little bit late on the start time here on this Friday edition of Fantasy NBA Today, but you know what? It doesn't really matter because this is the weekend show. And this one's going to be lingering for a couple of days. So, you know, what's the difference between getting it up at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. on Friday? Nothing. That's the difference. Nothing. Welcome to the pod. I am Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Hoop-ball.com. Of course, the website at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter. I am at Dan Bespris on the interwebs if you want to hit me up. And I suggest you do, because we're starting to get into fantasy stuff here. If only for a few weeks, because, yeah, I mean, we'll talk we'll talk playoff leagues, sort of. You know, we'll talk playoff leagues a little bit. It's not going to be an overwhelming thing, because once you draft your playoff team in most playoff leagues, you're just sort of stuck with them. There aren't pickups and drops, for the most part. You get your guys, if they get eliminated, you just... They're done, but we're not there yet. So I think I mentioned this a little bit on yesterday's show. I'll go over it again. Kind of a rough schedule slash timeline of what we're planning to do here on the podcast next few months. The rest of this month and the first two weeks of August, we will be watching the seeding games, this eight-game sprint that, whatever you want to call it, the resumption to me is probably the easiest way to refer to it. Right now we're focused on the resumption draft board, and then once those games start, we'll keep an eye on, you know, basically guys getting shut down and pickups we need to make quickly. First come, first serve leagues are going to be fun because games are happening all day. And so there's just going to be stuff to do from noon until night. Just sweet. That's sweet. I love it. I can't. My favorite thing, one of my favorite things on earth is having sports on in the background in the middle of the day while I'm getting other work done. This is just a weird joy and it's why I'm consistently jealous of folks west of me, but basically through the Pacific Ocean. So like Hawaii and uh, Eastern Asia. We have a lot of folks that are involved in Fantasy NBA that are in Australia, and they've got games that basically start at their lunchtime. I think it's a little earlier than that even. Let's see if I can do the, the math in my head right on this. There's a lunch go backwards. Uh, yeah, earlier than that. I think their games start at like 10 in the morning. How awesome is that? Jealous. I am green, green with envy. But I, I digress. That has nothing to do with anything. Um, once we get through the eight-game seeding stuff, we'll probably spend a couple of days doing a quick breakdown of playoff leagues because... We're not going to have 
It's not going to be like a, a full reseeding list, I don't think. I don't think we'll have time to do all of that. It's basically just going to be, hey, you're going to, in your mind, weigh out how deep someone's going to go in the playoffs. Again, it's it's games played. You know, like let's say Memphis is the eighth seed in the West. Do you go Jonas Valanciunas, who's probably going to get four or maybe five games, or do you go with someone like Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, who's way worse as a fantasy player and reality player, but might play like 17 games, <laughs> right? That's the playoff league. So that'll be just a few days, and then once the playoffs start, we sort of move along from that. And once you're at, geez, we're, you're probably looking at about August 20th or so, playoffs basically in full swing. We've got the, the couple weeks of August, all of September, and about half of October of just talking about basketball. It's really going to be very light on the fantasy news unless we get, you know, there'll be little tidbits that drop, guys that are opt-out, whatever. As teams get eliminated, you start to hear who's going to become a free agent on those clubs. There'll be little, little things that drop, but not much. So almost two months, this is basically going to turn into a non-fantasy podcast. Normally, in a regular year, the playoffs would end. But during the playoffs, which is what we're talking about right now, this is effectively during the playoffs, that's usually when we do our post-mortems. But we've done all of those already. We had a four-month offseason and change at this point to go through all of that stuff and then some. That's done. We can't do that again. So those two months, we're just talking playoff hoops. It's going to be a regular old NBA show for probably about 40 episodes. So saddle up, partner. That's uh, mostly September and October. Then we've got free agency, and everything starts to ramp back up again. Free agency, and you get into draft prep. That's the real hot. That's the hot time. We'll find out exactly when next season's starting somewhere in there also. And it'll be, you know, dodge the hype train, same as usual. But we can move along from that. We don't have a whole lot of other uh, stuff to discuss before getting into today's actual podcast content. There was almost no NBA news yesterday. I think Eric Bledsoe being listed as still out of the bubble with COVID but being asymptomatic was pretty much the only player or personnel news that came out yesterday. He was already pretty damn low on our draft board, and I, you know, I guess we could shift him even a little bit farther down. We had him what? We had him at like seventy, which is pretty freaking low in uh in an adjustment or in a in this this resumption thing. Um, and I think we could go even lower now. You might as well. Let's see. How far should we put him? Let's do it together. Let's do it together. This is all part of our routine. He was right around 70, and he's still not there. You know, I guess maybe, you know what, for now, we'll just leave him where he's at, and then if it turns out he's still not there in two or three days, then we start to, to rethink the actual placing of these guys. But I want to get into the results of this mock draft, because we got through the first 20 yesterday, and we have plenty more to go over today. In fact, the... Uh, the mock is, where the heck are we at this point? The mock draft is, I've lost track of exactly how far along the thing is. We're midway through the fifth round, so we're about 55 picks in, give or take, and we got through the first 20 yesterday. So let's just, let's just sort of pick up where we left off, 
and we'll take breaks here and there to to dive deep into some of these picks. We'll skim through some of the others, and we'll compare to to kind of what we had built one by one over the last couple of weeks. We left off, by the way, uh, should I lightning round the first 20 picks? You guys know where we were. Uh, yeah, all right. So here was the first 20 in this mock draft. Yesterday's podcast has my analysis of, of each of them. It's, it went Harden, Giannis, AD, Doncic, LeBron, Jason Tatum, Jokic, Dame, Vooch, Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid, Hassan Whiteside was round one. And the eight picks we covered in round two, Drew Holiday, Devin Booker, Kristaps Porzingis, Shea, Jimmy Butler, Chris Paul, Bam Adebayo, and Paul George. So we left off at pick 21. Pick 21, and let's just dive into it now, was Rudy Gobert, who, do we know if he's there? Do we know if he's actually there and practicing at this point? I don't know that we we know this to be true. We do know that he's he's said that there have been lingering effects. So he's much farther down our board. I'm not I'm not sold that he's going to play in all eight games. I'm not even sold he's going to play in seven. And if he really is seeing some effects, some lingering effects to his lungs or breathing or conditioning, then I you know this was someone who was slowly ramping up over the course of the season, but wasn't that same top 15 guy from last year. He just wasn't. So we had him at 39 on our board, mostly because of the the COVID fear and what effect it might have had. I could I could understand taking him a little bit earlier than than where we have him. We have him very low, uh, painfully low even. So I could I could see 30, 20 to me when there is still some pretty good options on the board, is is just too soon, in my estimation. It's too soon to take a risk on someone coming back from the disease who who really seem to have it in, in kind of a, a rough way. I took Kyle Lowry at 22, and I'm sure everybody's going to crush me for this one, but you remember our board. You know, we're going by the board. I had Kyle Lowry at 15 on our big board. I think he's going to play in seven of the eight games for Toronto. He was number 19 on a per-game basis during the regular season, and if you just pulled out the guys that aren't there, he moves past where uh, the 15 we had him. So I actually adjusted him down ever so slightly, and here he fell to 22. So, yeah, of course I was going to take him at that point. You know, this isn't next season where he's an expiring contract and weird things can happen. This is just the resumption where he's going to want to get himself into game shape. Toronto, even if they dial people back, they still overplay everybody. And he's going to he's gonna want to get them all on the same page. He's, their, he's the team leader. 30 minutes a game, seven games? Yeah. The other couple of guys I debated at this point, one of them went right after me. Jonas took Ben Simmons at 23. I do think Simmons is going to be pretty good during this resumption campaign. As you may recall, we had him at 18. So he was the next guy that would have come off the board. There were a couple of things that held me back. One, uh, Simmons, is there an expectation he plays in all eight games? I actually don't think so. I know they said he's sort of all systems go, but there's sort of, you know, there's no real reason. Philly is one of those teams that's just chunked together three through six in the Eastern Conference. No matter what they do, they're going to end up playing one of those other three teams in that chunk. So they don't really need to go full bore for all eight games. Simmons was hurt at the time the league was suspended. 
He's ramping up. The conditioning is good by all accounts. There isn't any real red flag involved. But they're also, like with Joel Embiid, there's sort of no reason to, to push these guys into the ground. The only guy on that team that seems like he can handle the normal NBA workload, uh, well, was Ben Simmons before this year, but now he's dinged up, was Tobias Harris. He's that healthy guy on their team this year. Simmons wasn't. He wasn't healthy. He missed a dozen games. So why push him in all eight when it doesn't really matter? They want him they want him ready to go full tilt at playoff time. So I think he's I think he sits one game. I think he's going to be pretty damn good in the other ones. And it's why we have him still so very high. But it's why I ultimately went Kyle Lowry, just because I thought, you know what, if each of these guys plays seven, Kyle's better. In nine cat. Actually, their turnovers are not that far apart. In any cat. In any cat. I'd rather have Lowry over Simmons on a per-game basis. Now, what if Simmons has seven games where he shoots 75% at the free-throw line? Yeah, I mean, that changes things. But you can't bank on that. You got to bank on what he's done. And what he's done is closer to 60. DeAndre Ayton went at 24. I'm totally fine with that pick. I know that there is some fear that maybe he doesn't play in all eight of the resumption games. I still think because of how much time he missed this year, he's one of those weird guys that might actually try to play in all of them, even if it's just to prove it to himself. Hey, I can play in all eight of these games. I came down here to Orlando. I know we don't really have a chance to make the playoffs, but I'm going to make the most of it. We got the invite as the team on the outermost edge of the bubble. All right, Washington, I guess, is on the outermost edge, but, you know, Eastern Conference sucks. So Phoenix team on the outermost edge of the Western Conference portion of the bubble. This is just an opportunity for us to play some games, get some basketball activity going. You know, if I'm going to come down here, I'm going to play. Is there a risk to his future? I mean, maybe, you know. At some point, you have to just turn a guy loose. So probably seven. If it falls as low as six, yeah, that that dings you. But he should have a good run here. Fantasy-wise, he puts up nice numbers. He was 21 per game during the regular season. 19 points, 12 boards. Little under two blocks, good percentages. You know, there's a lot to like about his fantasy game. His reality game leaves a little bit to be desired, but his fantasy game is strong. And so, yeah, 24, I think you can take that shot, and he would have been the next guy to come off our board. We uh, loop around the turn here, and DeMar DeRozan went at 25. This one surprised me a little bit, if only because I maintain that I don't think we see DeMar for more than about three games of this resumption. There's no point. Spurs are not going to make it. And they have every reason. Trey Lyles is out. LaMarcus Aldridge is out. They have every reason to go young. DeMar DeRozan is not young. There's no reason for him to risk the future on these games that mean nothing. Uh, He's, I would argue, and maybe Rudy Gay, the guys on that team that have no business really playing in a no-win scenario. So, you know, I could see someone going DeMar in the 40s, 50s, and, and just take your three really big games out of him and then put him in your pocket and walk away. Uh, at this point in the draft, I still think there are enough guys on the board, even in the 40s and 50s, and we're talking about the 20s right now, that are going to play six, seven, eight games. And, you know, I you, I think you have to take those guys, even if their per game is a little bit lower. Getting an extra three, four games out of them is is colossal. 
Not surprisingly, at 26, Jonas went with Jaron Jackson Jr., who could very well hit this mark. He really could. Uh, he's lower on our board, which we've talked about before. Not by a ton. He's uh, We have him at 40, right around 40 on our board. Because, uh, for one, he was dinged up towards the end of the regular season. Part of why my 30-deep team was was crashing and burning. JJJ, LaMarcus Aldridge, Rashawn Holmes were all out at the same time for poor Dano's 30-deep team. But this is not the complaint hour on the podcast. Uh, they're just guys that I would like more than him. I think there are guys that... Uh, I think have, can do a little bit more in this particular spot. I, I the, He could play all eight games, which is nice. That would be a nice bonus. So I, I understand why he would go a little bit earlier here. Um, part of why he went here is because it's Jonas. You know our buddy Jonas. He loves Jaron Jackson Jr. He loves him. So I think some of this is you might have seen him go five, six, seven, eight slots later, if not for particular names in this draft. But, uh, so yeah, maybe a little bit a hair early for me on this one. If you get him in the 30s, I'm not going to beat you up for it. I'd rather he drift later than that, but there's a high likelihood he won't. So, there you go. Uh, back to me at, uh, where the hell are we now? 27? I've lost track. 27, I uh, went Rob Covington, which, again, I know this is very on-brand for me, but I've got Covington at 19 during this their receding games. I think he plays in seven, maybe all eight. I would guess seven. I'm going to sit on seven and then be pleasantly surprised if he plays in more than that. He was number 39 over the entire regular season, and he was number 23 over the last few weeks with Houston. Just a defensive monster. As per usual, playing power forward, which is a great spot for him in that small ball Houston Rockets lineup. Big time steals, blocks, and threes. He's going to get a bunch of rebounds because they're playing without a center. The turnovers are going to be ex exceedingly low. The only thing that hurts you with him is the field goal percent. Uh, I mean, if Covington even goes seven games here, he clobbers his this ADP. He should be, to me, I think he's going to be one of the steals of this resumption. I probably could have gotten him later, except this is where he was on the board, and I didn't think there was any chance he would get back to me if I let it bang down to the end of the third round and come back in the fourth. I'm, I'm a long way away from my next pick now. So I love it. I'm, I'm incredibly enthused to get him at 27. I think he beats that with his eyes closed. Karis LeVert went at 28. Not that crazy, given the fact he's going to get 35 shots in that offense. We have him a little bit later than that on our board just because of some of his limitations. If his field goal and free throw percent both are horrible and he's going crazy high volume, it does counterbalance the high usage a little bit. Now, if those numbers are even decent, he probably goes higher than the you know 40-ish where we've got him on our board. Um, to me, that I already thought that was pretty high. But apparently he's going earlier than that. Points leagues, he could almost be a first-round guy. So the question mark there is is always going to be the percentages stuff. 29 was Russell Westbrook, and that's fine. We have him at 25, actually, on our board. And the question mark remains, when is he going to be able to join the Rockets? Because he's not practicing yet. I believe James Harden is starting his practice today. If Westbrook isn't back for another few days, we probably have to start slowly shuttling him down the board. With the way that he plays, he's going to need to be in the proper condition. And, you know, it seems like COVID 
gave him some symptoms based on how slowly he's kind of getting back to full tilt, even if he's testing negative at this point. So I'm fine with it for now. I mean, given the fact that the mock draft is happening right now, you have to, I would probably say don't take a chance on Westbrook because we don't know when he's going to start practicing. But, you know, he's sitting on the razor's edge a little bit there. Uh, Demontis Sabonis went at 30. We had him at 31. I have no thoughts on that one. That's right where I would have gone with him. I think there were maybe one or two guys left on the board here that I have above Sabonis, but getting him at 30 is almost exactly where he's going to end up. He's probably going to try to play in all eight games. I think they should try to rest him one because Indy's in that Philadelphia chunk we were talking about earlier. Pascal Siakam, who went immediately after Sabonis, was one of the few guys I had in front of him on our big board, but not by much. We're separated by a couple of slots. I, I think Siakam plays seven games, and just from a per-game standpoint, if I think he's going to play, whatever you call it, 6.8, like there's a chance he only goes in six, but I think it's closer to seven. And Sabonis, I think he goes in seven, but he might actually go all eight. You maybe get an extra half game out of Sabonis. I think that's still to me, was enough to give Siakam the slight edge because they, they were separated by a pretty good amount during the regular season. Siakam uh, was 35 and uh, Sabonis was 46. So there was about a round separating those dudes. And to me, a half game, it's close. It's real close. I mean, we're, we're splitting hairs at this point, but I had Siakam just a little bit ahead there. Zion went at 32. Is that where we're at now? Um, too early for my sake. I was talking to Adam, actually. This is Adam Kingpick. He, he said he's just really excited to see Zion. And at the moment, he knows. We all do. You know, if he doesn't come back from this personal leave, then he, come, and then he moves down the board a long way. Uh, this is higher than I take him anyway, even if he's healthy and there. But, you know, to, he's going to be one of the more exciting players. The question is, is he going to be, is he going to single-handedly tank your free throw percent? Because I bet his defensive stats are a little better during these eight games than they were during the regular season. I just, I can't roll the dice on the free throw thing in a roto format. You can't afford to take a one or a two in a category when so many things can be decided by one or two good games. You need, you need to get the freebies where you can. But yeah, I mean, listen, a lot hinges on whether or not he comes back. Donovan Mitchell went at 33, and I think that's pretty damn close to where we had him, actually. Yeah, in fact, that's that's later than we had him. We have Donovan at 27, so this one I really like this pick. He's going to play in probably seven, you know, you say average number of games, and, you know, just taking his spot from before and removing the names puts him basically right in there with Demonis Sabonis and kind of that same grouping. So I have, I have no beef with this pick, none at all. Totally fine with it. Chris Middleton went at 34, and that's also fine because this is sort of after you adjust down for the likelihood of him only playing in probably six, five to six of these things, maybe five full games, maybe a half or two in there. So yeah, there's going to be a ding on his value, and it's, and it's why he fell to the end of the third round when he was in the late second round in the regular season. I, you know, I'm going to be hard-pressed to take Middleton in these. I'm going to be hard-pressed to take any of the Bucks. I'd say the same thing about the Lakers, but, you know, AD is so good that he can he can be useful in five or six games. I don't know if you can say that about Middleton. If he misses two or three of these things, he falls a fair amount, and he's got to do percentages. They have to be what he did in the regular season. 
So I don't know. It, to me, this is a little bit of a risky play. Not not in the what is he going to do when he's actually on the floor element, but you just really don't know how many games the Bucks are going to trot their guys out for. But whatever. We're, we're flogging a dead, a dead horse at this point. Brandon Ingram went at 35. That's a couple of slots ahead of where I've got him, although now with Zion gone, you get it. So I'm not going to argue with this pick. Totally fine with it. He rockets back up the board with Zion away. Uh, still, we don't know. If Zion comes back in time to play in the eight seeding games, then this is way too early for Ingram. If he misses half of them, then this is fine. Lonzo Ball at 36, totally good with that one. We actually have him higher than that on our big board. We have Lonzo at 33. I think he has a really nice resumption campaign. He was playing well when the league shut down, so no problem with that one. Finally, Freddie Van Fleet went at 37 in this. That surprised me. I think he's going to be really good. He was uh, around top 40 in the regular season when Toronto was healthy. They are healthy. Top 40 in the regular season is more like top 30 during this reseeding, and he probably plays in in about seven of the games. So I think this is a really nice pick. We have him uh, late second, early third on our big board, and for him to go first pick of the fourth round is, uh, I think, a steal. Jared Allen went at 38, a little bit early for my sake. He could get to that point, and he'll probably play in all eight of the seeding games because what the hell else is Brooklyn going to do at this point? They don't want to have to deal with Washington chasing them down, and they're almost definitely going to fall into the eight seed behind Orlando. So, yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm a little bit later on our board, but this is, it's not crazy to to take a stab at him. The only thing here is that there are just a couple of more, in my estimation, sure things still out there. There are a couple of sure bets hanging out right behind him. So that's maybe where you flip it a little bit. But, yeah, I'm not really all that all that bent about it. A little bit early for me, but not much. Jamal Murray at 39. It's hard to keep track of this stuff. Um, yeah, that's totally fine. In fact, I think, yeah, we have him at 34. Probably seven games. Average number of games played, normal production. I dig it. Jonas Valanciunas at 40. I like that one too. He should be very good. In fact, I have him at 29 on our big board. Because he probably plays in all eight games with Memphis trying to fend off a bunch of would-be contenders right behind them in the Western Conference. I love JV. Should have gone earlier, I think. He's the type of guy I was talking about as a, you know, a little bit more of a sure bet over a Jared Allen, but I get it. Miles Turner at 41. With Victor Oladipo back, I actually like Miles Turner again because they have got some chemistry, and we've had him at 40 on our big board. So that basically matches right up. These guys are making my job easy here over the last couple of picks. I like Miles Turner there. He he has the possibility to win you a category basically by himself, which is colossal in a super short roto season. I'm on board with it. Gallo at 41. We like Gallo. We like him well enough. Uh, we got him at 37. So pretty much right where he should be going, I think. <laughs> Fun breakdown right now, huh? Uh, John Morant at, what the hell are we at this point? I've completely lost track. 43? Oh, who knows? Um, too early for me. A lot of people really like this one, and someone's going to have to convince me of why, because he just, he was 129 during the regular season. Even playing all eight games, you give him a massive boost, and that, for us, put him up in that 70-80 range. But, 
I don't know, man. With the, some of the guys that are still out there, this is too early for me. Buddy Heald at, again, I've lost track of it, 44, 5, 6, 7, 8. Yeah, this is 44. That's fine. Provided he's healthy, sounds like he's he's getting started on practicing with the Kings now. I know he's coming off the bench, but even if he goes top 60 on a per-game basis, he'll probably play in most of these. There is the, the possibility the Kings stink out of the shoot here and get eliminated from making a run at that Western Conference spot. And that's a little bit frightening with all of the Kings, which, you know, I end up with a King here uh, in the next round. So believe me, I'm well aware of, of what we've got going on. Um, but I think it's worth the risk. There's a couple of guys. Uh, still, there are a few guys I think I would have gone before someone with a risk. And it's not that we don't have Buddy Heald relatively high. In fact, he, he's 43 on our big board. And, and so going here in the mid-40s is is pretty much right where he should be going. The issue is that there are guys on our big board that are still well ahead of him. So it's not that I'm annoyed that Buddy Heald went at this spot. I guess I'm just annoyed that he went before some of these other guys I'm still looking at. Namely, the guy right behind him, CJ McCollum, who's basically just like Buddy Heald on a team that everybody thinks is going to make a run at it. So they're maybe a little bit safer in that respect because CJ's not coming off the bench. Tobias Harris, who went right after that, that to me was an easy one that should have gone first. He's playing seven games. There's no way he goes lower than that unless he actually gets hurt. And Tobias was better than CJ McCollum and almost the same as Buddy Heald. During the regular season, Tobias Harris was uh, 51, Buddy Heald was 65, CJ McCollum was 63. Tobias was the best of the three and has the greatest chance of playing seven or more games during this receding stuff. So uh, this is this is the stuff that that rattles around in my head. Like how how are folks looking at this group? Just take that three group of players and say Buddy Heald, CJ McCollum, Tobias Harris in a resumption campaign where two of the three teams can be eliminated. From the playoffs in the first four games, how do you choose those two guys before the third guy who was actually better during the regular season than the other two? That's the part that rattles my brain. Not that Heald and McCollum went where they did, but that there was a better value on the board that got overlooked. Because I actually like all three of those guys for different reasons. I just think Tobias is far better. I think he's going to be around above those other dudes just, you know, we're looking at averages. Now, there is a, a planet where the Kings, the Blazers, they're both trucking after the Grizzlies. Maybe they do play all eight games. Still think Tobias gets the edge. Kemba Walker went at 47, and he's he's going to be a polarizing one, I think, in these resumption drafts, because all we're hearing is that they're going easy on him. The reporting every day is that he's practicing one day on, one day off, one day on, one day off. We had him at 30 on our big board, but I'll admit, if this draft, if he, if he was on the board, I have him one slot basically in front of Tobias Harris on our big, no, two slots, excuse me. Demonis Sabonis is in there as well. In front of Tobias Harris on our current big board, but I didn't take him because that stuff is scaring me. If Kemba's only playing like 27 minutes a game and he sits out two of the resumption stuff, that's just, you know, then he's like a top 50 guy 
on a per game basis and missing one and a half to two one and a half to two games, there's a very real chance he gets moved farther down our board. I just haven't made up my mind on it yet. Honest to goodness, that's where I'm at with that one. You know, if I had a real resumption draft right now, I would probably drop him closer to 50, which is where we're at. But, you know, there are plenty of guys in front of him on the board. Last pick of the fourth round was Gordon Hayward. And I'm contemplating putting a pin in things after we talk about this one because the next round actually isn't complete. Uh, although I guess we could go to 50 if we want to just do a round number today. Gordon Hayward was number 48, which if there wasn't the looming specter, and I hate to describe it like this because it feels very, I don't know, just feels just feels sleazy to refer to the looming specter of his unborn child, but that's what we're thinking about on the fantasy side. He, like Dennis Schroeder, I feel like there was another player that I'm forgetting about, but maybe it's a baseball player, are all waiting on the births of their children, which is awesome. That's wonderful news. But, from a fantasy perspective, that means they could just vanish. On a whim. Babies don't wait. They don't wait until the final horn sounds. They're not looking at your schedule and thinking, that would be a good time to come out. Gordon Hayward's baby could come the day the resumption league starts. It could come four weeks later. You know, I believe the latest is that his baby is due early in the playoffs, but babies go a week, two weeks early all the time. So, once again, you kind of sit on the razor's edge. Gordon Hayward, if he plays in the resumption, he probably goes in eight of the or seven of the eight games, and then he's an easy top 35. He was great during the regular season. Hayward was number 44. You just take out 27% of the players, and he's in the 30s. Easy. Easy 30-something guy. So it could be a great haul here at 48. But if he goes two games in and his wife goes into labor, you're getting two games out of your fourth-round pick. Where, you know, looking back a pick or two, or even looking forward a pick or two, there are guys that I think you can fairly well count on going six, seven, eight games who might not be quite as good on a per-game basis as Hayward, but you get six, seven games out of those guys, that means a whole lot more than getting two. You need more than that from a guy this early. And so you kind of have to dodge these dudes that have those giant question marks over their heads. But I get it. It's a mock draft, so, you know, we'll wait and see. Ricky Rubio at 49, that's too early for me. Um, we've already been told that he's not going to play his full allotment of minutes. We just kept moving him down and moving him down and moving him down, and somehow he still ended up as high as 62 on our big board, but uh, this is too early for him in my estimation. And same same deal for Malcolm Brogdon, who went at 50. With Oladipo back, Brogdon got dropped about three rounds on our board from 50. That's where he was, and then he got dropped to 80, basically, when we heard Oladipo was likely playing. So too early for Brogdon, uh, too early for Rubio as well. And that is where we will pause our mock draft analysis because there are only another five or six picks on the board at the time of doing this podcast. And I've got a weekend to tinker with our board. It's almost time to actually do one of these. Not quite. Not quite. Folks, 
Um, I have the very next pick here. I'm seriously contemplating telling you who I took, but I think maybe that'll be our tease for the weekend. And while we're teasing the weekend, please do spend a second over at manscaped.com. I'm actually going to buy something today because I keep telling you guys to do it, and it feels disingenuous for me to tell you something that I haven't done myself. Yeah, I get free samples. I know. What a cool guy, right? Super cool guy. Um, but I'm going to go get something. Coupon code is HOOPBALL20. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. HOOPBALL20. 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Get the lawnmower, which is amazing. Hell of a tool. You can get some boxers. You want to get something a little cheaper. They've got a few other things. Knickknacks and paddy wax and what have you. Manscaped.com. Check them out. Please, we need you on this. We need you. Need your help. I want this thing long term. The way that happens is by all working together. And I've decided, no, I'm not going to tell you who I picked at at pick 51. You're going to have to wait until Monday for that one. We will do probably the next 20 or 30 selections of this mock draft on Monday. This is an 11-round mock draft. So we're going 132. Did I get that right? 132 picks deep. And that's pretty good, actually, because our big board goes uh, 137. <laughs> Woof. And that's it. That's it. That's the show. Um, I was thinking if there's anything else I needed to remind you guys of, but I don't think there is. And if I think of it, I'll just put it out on Twitter. That's at Dan Besperson. Oh, I remember there was one thing. You guys got to check out the last couple episodes of Today in Sports Betting. So good. Ira had Justin McMahon on two days ago and my my old buddy Dave Esler on the show today. That's airing today. Uh, Dave is a sports handicapper over at pregame.com. I've known him for a long time. Used to call him Uncle Dave 10, 10 years ago. Just a brilliant handicapper and a great show. Just talking about how he works his capping. And, of course, they've got golf picks, baseball, hockey, NBA futures, it's fantastic. That show is Today in Sports Betting. You got to go check it out. You'll love it. You'll love it. I promise you'll love it. Okay, that was the one thing I wanted to promo. Have a great weekend, everybody. By the time we come back, what the hell will it be? It'll be the 20th. Baseball will be three days away, and the NBA will be 10 days away the next time we do a show. Amazing. We've almost made it. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Week done. I'll talk to you Monday. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.